City Quick Connect podcast is brought to you by the Municipal Association of South Carolina. Hey, everybody. It's Casey Field, your manager for municipal advocacy at the Municipal Association, and welcome to another edition of the City Quick Connect podcast. I'm honored to welcome my, well, I mean, honestly, let's just say it's my my same guest, my co-host, Scott Slatton. Welcome, Scott. Hey, Casey. Honored. Boy, that's... uh... That's pretty high praise. So well, I'm glad to I, I like that. Thank to you. I like to keep Captain Roy happy, and he's happy when I'm kind to you. So that's Thank what you. I'm going to stick with. Scott, let's see. Last week we had a lot of stuff going on. We had some movement from an advocacy initiative, one of our priorities this year. You had some wheeling and dealing on some building code bills, and we had a lot of behind the scenes work going on that. You know, we don't normally report that word for word in the dome because that's a lot of phone calls and exchange of amendments and language and and meeting. Don't you agree? Yeah, it's amazing how much for for how thin the report is sometimes when you reflect back on the prior week's work. It seems like there was a lot of work, but there was a lot of work that took place, but it didn't really show up in the report. Well, just like everybody's job, you you do a lot of work behind the scenes and That's right. uh, out of sight that occurs for a small reward that eventually pays off in big ways. So that uh, that was sort of our week last week. Yeah, absolutely. So let's let's go with um, the building co- building. Why am I? Well, let's do abandoned buildings first. Abandoned building codes. Yes. Second, we're all about yeah, buildings, that, not yeah, businesses. Let's, let's, Let's secure the abandoned building, and then we'll apply the building codes to it. Right. How about that? Good call. Good call. So Senate Bill 271 um, it extends the Abandoned Building Revitalization Act tax credit until 2025. So a little history on that bill. It, has, it passed the Senate. Uh, the Senate added an amendment onto it, which we'll talk about in a minute. Um, it has passed the Senate, and it passed through a – House Ways and Means Subcommittee and full committee this week. So, Scott, give us just a little bit of background on 271 as far as exactly what it does and why this amendment that the Senate put on it is so important. Yeah, and we talked about this uh, when it was over in the Senate, but it's good to report on progress over in the House. The Abandoned Buildings Revitalization Tax Credit, this bill would extend the sunset for the tax credits that developers could take advantage of when they rehabilitate abandoned buildings in a municipality or a county. Right Right now, the the current law is set to expire at the end of this year, but this bill will extend that sunset out to uh, the end of 2025. And, of course, we would love to extend the tax credit and make it permanent, but, you know, the Senate in particular is always interested in revisiting these things to make sure – that they're doing what they were intended to do in terms of Correct. spurring economic development. And of course, right. this tax credit has been very successful over the years, which is why the development community, why uh, cities and towns and counties want to see it continue moving forward. So right. unlike previous uh, iterations of these kinds of tax credits that have always had sort of a two-year extension, we were able to uh, to secure four years and we're moving forward. When, in the, when it was in the Senate, it was amended to help out with the Textiles Revitalization Tax Credit Act, uh, which is a separate law, but because it's germane, 
the amendment was allowed to be put onto the abandoned buildings tax credit bill that we're talking about right, right now. Right. Uh, and what that did, what that amendment does is uh, expand what is called an intervening connector that, right. that might separate textile properties and make them ineligible for the, the textile the credit. revitalization credit. Right. credit. So, yeah. this, so this language is going to help people be able to revitalize old textile mills. Is that right? Yes. Abandoned buildings okay. and textile textile sites. So okay. uh, very happy about that. Joni Nickel on our staff is the one who's been – uh, working, working with our, That's right. our private industry partners who uh, obviously have a great interest in trying to take advantage of as many of these tax credits as they can. And so uh, the textiles and the abandoned buildings credits uh, are something that they can take advantage of, and they obviously help cities and towns with their economic development efforts. So uh, happy to happy to get that bill, that Senate bill, onto the House floor which yeah. means uh, because it's already made the crossover date, which, uh, of course, is in the, the first uh, second week of April, first right. full week of April, uh, we don't have to worry about it, you know, scrambling to meet a uh, meet the crossover deadline, which is what happens this time of year. So uh, it'll be okay. eligible We've got for plenty debate. Of time. Yeah, 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 it's going to be eligible to, for debate on the House floor when they come back to their regular calendar in a couple of weeks. Right. So we're very pleased about that. Like I said earlier, it's one of our advocacy initiatives, and it's important for cities because that helps cities bring more development and more business into the cities and these abandoned um, buildings and abandoned textile mills. So that's yeah. going to increase business and a great partnership from cities and businesses partner together. It's a win-win. For sure. And, and the abandoned buildings tax credit, of course, is helpful to – Small small cities and towns. Of course, there's lots of textile sites in small cities and towns as well. But That's right. uh, not not every city, not every town has a textile mill. But probably every town has an abandoned building that might qualify for Absolutely. the uh, for the cre- first for credit. The credit. So, yeah, yeah. Happy happy to have gotten a, a play some offense with that bill this session. Absolutely, so far, which, is, which is a and, lot of fun. And we really we haven't had anybody opposed to it. I believe in the house. No. Um, sub and full committees last week, it came out unanimously. So well, I'm very pleased about that. Well, the the success of the thing over the years, Casey, is, is hard to argue with. So that's why that's right. you, you don't see a lot of resistance or any resistance to it for that yeah. matter. So now that we have acquired our abandoned building to revitalize into something that is good for our community and our city, we've got to apply building codes. Correct. Yeah, yeah, and this is going to be probably a little more technical than a lot of people care to hear about. But uh, and I try to make it fun, okay? Let's yeah, not bore yeah. our listeners into, into saying I'm never listening to this again because Scott got <laughs> into the weeds on building codes. <laughs> so in South Carolina, we have traditionally uh, updated our residential building codes and our commercial building codes every three years or so. Okay. The home builders in particular say that that is too short. Three years is too short of a window for them to learn the new codes and then start applying the new codes because, and their argument, I think legitimately in in a lot of cases, is that by the time the new codes are adopted and we learn them and start applying them, it's time to start on the new code cycle. 
And, okay. I, you know, there's some there's some merit to that. That's to legit. That right. Okay. Yeah. So what they've proposed for a, a couple of times over the years is that, hey, we want to extend that three-year cycle out be, well beyond three years. Mm-hmm. And in in working with the Building Officials Association of South Carolina, which is a uh, an affiliate of the Municipal Association, right? The, the building officials have been somewhat reluctant, but you know, open to discussing extending that that code adoption cycle beyond that three year period. And so the the built the uh, Home Builders Association helped uh, get a bill sponsored that okay. would have extended the building codes adoption cycle for residential codes anyway out beyond well beyond 6 years which is not something that is good for South Carolina and here's why okay if, if you if you extend your building codes adoption cycle out beyond more than say 6 years then you start to lose the opportunity to recover and receive FEMA monies in, after emergencies and mitigation monies uh, to help uh, prevent flooding, pre- prevent problems when disasters strike. So mm-hmm. the building codes, of, the building officials association of South Carolina said, "Look, let's try. We'll agree to stick a six-year code cycle. We'll okay. agree to to skip a code uh, every every few cycles." But we don't want to get beyond two cycles, which is about six years, because of the, the loss, the potential loss of these, these FEMA monies and these other uh, opportunities that the state could take advantage of to, to mitigate okay. risk. So um, the, uh, the bill, uh, House Bill 4060, was introduced, right. and it was heard this week in a House Labor, Commerce, and Industry subcommittee, and then later in the full committee. In the the subcommittee, they adopted an amendment to the bill that would uh, have set the cycle at no more – you couldn't adopt the new codes any earlier than six years, but no later than seven years. Well, that sounds like it's pretty close, but because of that extra year – on that seventh year, it still uh-huh. would have put us out well beyond the six-year period because it takes, in addition to the six years, it takes another year and a half for South Carolina to adopt the code once when they, when they agree on it. Okay. We went to we went to the partners, the architects, the engineers, the mechanical contractors, the forestry association, the firefighters association, and the and the association of general contractors, and we all said, look. Let's change that. Let's move it back one year. So the full House LCI committee adopted another amendment to 4060 that would set the the effective date of the code at between five and six years from the previous adoption of the the last code. So what happened was after our work and our discussions and compromise with all the partners, including the home builders, we got a bill uh, that is – is more satisfactory to all the parties. Not everybody got what they wanted, which is right, good. But that, which that's is what fine. a real compromise is, right? That's how it works. And yeah, so that's we're, what a real compromise looks like. So 4060 is going to move out onto the House floor, and it'll be eligible to be taken up whenever uh, whenever they get back to the regular calendar. I guess the point of it is that 
the work that took place and the discussions that we all had with one another and with the House staff, give them a lot of credit, and Chairman Sanderford, Bill Sanderford from, uh, from Seneca, uh, thank all of them for their work and willingness to, uh, to work, to, to listen and compromise and come up with something that we can all live with going forward. And you know, Scott, the benefit of all that, you know, you, you get a bill that you, that you want, but you're also establishing relationships with other groups. So if there's a problem that comes up about something else, we've got a relate, you know, somebody that we can go to to talk something through, but it's also establishing the municipal association as a valued partner who can come to the table with good information and is willing to work with us, with other people. And I think that's, I think that's great. That's, that's how you, that's how you win the day. Yeah. We're, I mean, we've always said what, what Reba Campbell coined a long time ago that we're honest brokers of accurate information that's and right. uh, building that reputation and having that reputation over with all of the partners. I mean, when, if, if, if our partners see that we're not playing games, even our, our opponents, right. uh, not our enemies, but our opponents on, on these bills, uh, when they see that we're not playing games and we're, you know, working in earnest to, uh, to help them and to help us if we can, then that goes a long way and, and we're very, very happy to have that reputation. And it obviously it carries a lot of weight with legislators as well. Absolutely. You know, just like, just like what we did with the building codes bills, uh, we were also engaged in some discussions and compromises on other bills that will get some action later on. And, and we'll talk mm-hmm. about that when the time comes, if the time comes on those couple of important pieces of, We've been working. We continue to work. The whole team, Joni Nickel, Erica Wright, you, me, we're always engaged and happy to talk to anybody. And uh, we'll want to hear from you if you've got concerns or if you've got offers of help with legislators, right. we want to hear from it. Right. Exactly. And and talk about, Casey, before before we end, end the conversation, talk about what's going to happen on the House floor this week uh, with the budget and uh, – and the Senate, you know, obviously the Senate's going to keep keep on trucking. Right. So as you're listening to this podcast, probably, um, the House is in session. They went in today at 1 o'clock, and they will work until they finish the budget. Um, normally, Scott, it takes anywhere from two to three days, sometimes longer, sometimes shorter. It just really depends. Um, but they aim to get it done within one week. So there is nothing else they – so last week, uh, Chairman Merle Smith from Sumter, he made several motions from the floor that places the budget and the capital reserve bill um, in masthead status, and it places it in a special order slot, which means they don't consider any other bill on the calendar next week. Normally, when they when they come in, they talk, they go through the bill, they go through their daily calendar, but starting today and the rest of the week, they're not going to do that. They're just focusing on the budget until they get it done. The Senate will come in tomorrow and work their way through their calendar just like a normal week. Um, once they get the budget, which should be the end of April, I think, um, then their their calendar will look different also. But we are um, we will follow the budget. Joni Nickel is our um, chief budget person, so. She is going to be following the budget and will be there for all of the um, all the action. We all closely monitor it, and most of y'all will be over there, but we, we monitor it very, very closely 
we watch out for any amendments, any surprises, um, any last-minute changes. But that is what's going on today through this week. Yeah, you know, as smoothly as the budget has gone in ways and means, I, I really don't anticipate or see any hiccups on the floor. Yeah, I don't week. either. So, yeah. uh, I, I, mean, I anticipate not, a pretty smooth process. Yeah, I mean, if, if there was a whole bunch of new money coming in, that might be right. different. But uh, And, you know, Scott, that, that might be a problem in the Senate if once we get that April right. estimate. Um, there That's might right. be some new money, which may have to – they may have to kind of yep. have a little dust up over where that goes, but um, right now, I, I'm like you. I just don't anticipate any kind of any right. throwdowns on the floor about yep. about the budget. Yep, I agree. Well, thank you for that uh, update. I, that's, I was looking forward to that. Well, um, thank you for joining me today, as usual. Happy to do it. Thank you for your in-depth reporting on building codes. I doubt they're going to. I doubt our listeners are going to get that anywhere else. So Listen, I know they appreciate it. I'll tell you right now, our building officials are some of the most passionate and they uh, are and engaged. They are groups. some real yeah. active advocates on the, on building codes. I agree. Those, yeah, those folks. Uh, when we when we need them in Columbia to testify in subcommittee, uh, they're here. So uh, yeah, kudos absolutely. kudos to them. That's right. All right, take care of yourself. I'm going to welcome my next guest. Everybody, I am so excited today to finally get Erica Wright on this podcast. She is a new member. Well, not really new. You've been here almost a year, Erica. But Erica is a a new member of our staff. She has developed this amazing relationship with D.C. and the South Carolina delegation. And she is also, while also maintaining all of her bills and, um, issues at the South Carolina State House. So welcome, Erica, to the podcast. Thank you so much, Casey. I am so excited to finally be on the podcast. So thank you for having me. (laughs) I know. Erica came came to us from the Charleston Chamber, and she's a native Charlestonian, and she's moved to Columbia, and she's really hit the ground running. Part of one part of Erica's job is to really establish and nurture relationships in D.C., and that is what we're going to talk about today. Not those relationships, but we're going to talk about the ARP. Erica, give us, just give us a little background on the ARP and what it is and why we care about it and what it what it's going to mean for South Carolina cities and towns. Sure, Casey. The ARP, the American Rescue Plan, is a big piece of federal legislation that we saw signed into law by President Biden uh, on March 11th. And so what that does specifically, it's a $1.9 trillion piece of legislation that has arms that touches so many parts of of lives and business and um, different entities, but specifically for cities and towns, what we are looking at at the Municipal Association is the Coronavirus Local Fiscal Relief Fund, and that is spelled out in the American Rescue Plan. And what that does is provide $130 billion for local governments to split evenly between municipalities and counties. So here at the Municipal Association, we are locked in on that $65.1 billion that's been allocated to cities and towns. Right. And so we're, we're monitoring that. I know that a lot of uh, cities and towns are as well. 
I will tell you, Casey, I really have enjoyed getting to know many of our members over the past week or so who have been calling in to ask some questions. And so, oh, great. Um, so it's been good to not only track this legislation, but also to have, well, I'll say phone time, not necessarily space time, but phone right. time with a lot of our members as well. So, so I've enjoyed both aspects of it. So we've got, we put some stuff up on our website, Erica. We've got it on the front page as a hero and you can click on it and you can kind of see the outline of how much the state is getting. But do we know yet specific amounts for each city and town? We do not know specific amounts just yet. Okay. We are waiting for those and something else that we are waiting on is specific guidance from Treasury. So what we have done is we comb through the bill, specifically that coronavirus local fiscal recovery fund portion of right. the bill, and we pulled out what we want cities and towns to to understand from that portion, but it's still very vague, and it was written to be fairly broad. And right. so um, just this last Thursday, uh, we participate every week on the White House briefing call and was told as, as soon as this past, um, as early as this past Thursday, that the White House understands that we're waiting on guidance from Treasury and they are working on that. So as of now, we are still waiting on specifics to how local governments are able to spend those dollars. And so what we're mm-hmm. encouraging our members to do is kind of start assessing your needs, uh, okay. take inventory of what you would like to do, maybe start having these conversations with your council so that right. once Treasury releases guidance once those funds have been finalized. There's mm-hmm. already a plan in place, and so you kind of don't lose momentum or lose ground there. Right. Do we have any idea, Erica, when we're going to get information from Treasury? Have they given us any indication when we might have that, or is that just kind of a daily check-in thing that you're doing? It is a daily check-in, but what I can share is that by law, the United States Department of Treasury has 60 days from the day the bill was enacted to allocate those funds. Okay. And so what I imagine is happening in D.C. is that they're using this 60 days to create the guidance. I'm, I'm hoping, Casey, that it's right. right. full 60 days to get that right. out. But just to give our members an idea of what's going to happen. So the federal government has 60 days. The Treasury has 60 days okay. to allocate those funds. Our major cities will receive their funds directly from Treasury. Our smaller okay. cities and towns will receive their money from the state. And okay. so what that means is Treasury will send the money to the state of South Carolina, uh-huh. and the state of South Carolina will be responsible for sending the money, the, the various allocations to cities and towns. And okay. the state has 30 days. So once the state gets their allocation from Treasury, the state of South Carolina then has 30 days to allocate those funds to cities and towns. The state does have an option to request an extension, a 30-day extension from Treasury. And I say that just, you know, to manage expectations that it could, the state very well could request an extension if it looks like they're going to need more time to allocate those funds. Right. Um, Where will they go, Erica, like to our state treasurer or to, okay. okay. That is what we're trying to uh, figure out. So we've been on the phone with Treasury, and we do know that Treasury will receive those funds from the United States Department of Treasury. Okay. The actual who will distribute those funds in our state, that is what we are waiting to find out. Okay. Um, we, 
we believe that it'll be similar to the CARES Act, Casey, where the General right. Assembly kind of got involved and, and shared who will will shoulder that responsibility. But we're we're tracking that as well. So this sixty okay. days is going to be well. Spent. I think a lot of scrambling and a lot of right, watching. Right. But yeah, we're we're monitoring, we're watching. Encourage everyone to please keep the calls and emails coming. Uh, we're tracking every question that we're getting, um, so that we can get good guidance and, and make sure that your questions are being answered um, in the guidance that we're getting. I just want everybody to know, I, and they probably the people that have talked to you probably know how fortunate they are that we have you monitoring this situation. But I just need everybody to know just how fortunate we are to have you on top of this because we don't have to rely on any other organization or anybody else. We've got you in-house monitoring this, answering questions, and people can call you and you can just give them, you know, all the details about what they need to know about this. And I know, you know, this is the time where everybody's starting to work on their budget if they're on the July 1 fiscal year. So they're trying to figure out what's going on, and you are such a wonderful resource to have to be able to explain that to them. Well, I am excited. I'm really enjoying this work. I feel like I live and breathe with this legislation, rereading the same same paragraph over and over just to make sure I'm not missing anything. But our members know that, you know, call, let us know whenever you have a question. Call me directly, um, and I'm happy to. What I can promise, Casey, is, you know, I'm on top of this legislation. However, if there's ever a question that I don't know, I promise to get the answer and get back to our members. And so that's a promise that I can make here. Wonderful. Erica, since you've been working at the association, what has been your favorite thing? What is something that you love about your job, the association, Columbia, anything? You know, Casey, I don't know much about Columbia in the year that I've been here. I know Gervais Street, and I know the, right. uh, the State House. Because you that's moved in the it. pandemic, so there's moved nowhere. I mean, pandemic. yeah, that's right. Yeah, I know Publix very well. Um, right. <laughs> and I'm not saying this because I am on this call, I promise. But um, <laughs> this podcast, I have enjoyed. When I started in April, um, the Municipal Association was already working from home. And right. so this was my opportunity to listen to all of the podcasts, to get caught up, to right. understand what was happening. And so I, I'm hoping I did you guys proud today, finally being yes. on the podcast. <laughs> did. Listen, this is what I told Johnny. This is the first of many. So once, you know, we can safely be around each other and safely be together in an office and everybody's kind of moving in that direction, and we are too, which I'm excited about. We're all going to be together talking and hashing stuff out over the podcast and, you know, just being a part of it together, which I think is going to be absolutely amazing. I agree, and I look forward to that. Everybody, if you're listening, Erica Wright, her information, and Scott's not here to do this, so I'm going to do it. All of Erica's contact information is on our website at www.masc.sc. You can call Erica directly you can email her you can text her and she will answer all of your arp questions um you can always check the front page of our website there is kind of a like a what would you call it erica like a summary document link yeah the front yeah we put everything into a one pager and that's going to be evolving actually we're looking at some things to add to it so that's a living breathing um synopsis of arp as we get new information 
All right, good. So check back on our website. Um, I know that we'll be sending out um, more information and uptown update and direct email once we get more information. Once it starts coming to us, we'll be sending that out as it happens. Um, so don't always stay in touch with us. Erica, thank you so much. I just can't wait to have you on. Again, you have way exceeded. You have done us so proud. You have just um, everybody, thank you so much for listening today. I hope you have a great week. Please remember to wear your mask, socially distance, wash your hands, and don't forget if you want, if you choose to get the vaccine, please go ahead and get it so we can head back to normal in the near future. Take care and we'll talk to you next week. The City Quick Connect podcast is one of several ways the Municipal Association keeps you informed of the opportunities and issues impacting South Carolina cities and towns. Learn more at www.masc.sc and stay up to date with the Association's latest happenings on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.